anytime we get together with people, there will be multiple opportunities for disagreements. And that's true whether it's a one-on-one getting together or whether it's a group gathering. The old saying that you don't discuss politics or religion at the dinner table actually needs a new category added, vaccinations. (laughs) I can hear my dad's voice in my mind When he and my mom were having a disagreement back when we were children and I was eavesdropping on it, if my mom kept adding to the list of transgressions, my dad would eventually say seven words. You just want something to fuss about. There are many people today who qualify for that charge. They not only want something to fuss about, but they also expect you to agree with them or you must surely be wrong. (laughs) When someone throws a baited hook at you in the form of a prickly statement, do you take the bait and jump into an argument, or do you use discretion and carefully edit your words? We may think that we have to say something, but sometimes taking the bait leads to nothing but a war of words. Disagreements are unavoidable. Arguments are avoidable. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. Our nation is divided, but this isn't anything new. We just have a lot more access to the opinions of others, whether we want them or not. If you're a history buff, you already know that this is not the first time our nation divided contentiously over issues that were passionately held by both sides. In other words, as it says in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. In other words, we've been here before. Division is as old as the Old Testament. We can't make it go away, but we can change our reactions to careful responses, remembering that the goal is not to win debate points, but to be ambassadors for Christ. We do not want to lose our gospel focus in arguments unrelated to true freedom that comes with being born again. This is way too big of a topic to cover in a brief podcast, so let's condense this down to four things that we can do to handle disagreements with tender, loving care. So first on this little brief list, don't expect people to agree with you on every subject. (laughs) If we haven't learned anything lately, hopefully we've been reminded that disagreements are a normal part of relationships. If it was required that we agree 100% of the time in order to have relationships, There would be no relationships. We tend to get very picky on certain topics and not as particular on others. When it is not a matter of biblical doctrine, why would we turn it into a word war? There's a reason, and that reason has one word, pride. Expecting people to agree with us or they're automatically wrong is rooted in pride, and it's also contaminated with cancel culture style of thinking. Just as we would hope that people who disagree with us would at least remain courteous in their disagreement, we need to show the same courtesy. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 18:17: He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. Now let's take a commonly contentious area, the current one of the day, 
vaccinations. Suddenly we have experts on both sides of the debate, and yet if we took our cases before God, he would settle it with his word. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's what God said in Isaiah 55, 9, and it's a good reminder for all of us. We don't really understand what God is doing, but we do know that his ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. He's the real expert, in other words. So rather than arguing about freedoms and rights and possible side effects and a host of other things, we can allow room to disagree and move on to other topics. Relationships are too valuable to squander on arguments about preferences. If it's a fellow believer and you're in disagreement, be gracious and agree to disagree. But if it's an unbeliever, remember that as the servant of the Lord, it's not your job to strive with people. Our mission is to help lost people find Christ. We don't want that important mission lost in a debate over temporal matters. Number two out of four, learn to recognize the beginning of strife. Proverbs 17, 14 paints a word picture so that we'll recognize what this looks like. It says this, The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. The beginning of strife is a phase that describes the early stages of a quarrel or discord. The letting out of water pictures the water starting as a trickle but growing into a powerful stream. If we don't want the strife to grow, we have to stop the flow of words. We've all had these moments. One person says something and it didn't set right with us, and so we say something in return. And we imagine that we're sounding educational, by the way, but it's really just a rebuke in a thin disguise. Depending on the relationship and the beliefs on both sides, this is the beginning of strife, and it can quickly end in a full-blown contention, leaving both sides wounded and angry at best or worse, damaging the relationships. As mentioned in the first point, strife comes from two opposing sides wanting the other side to agree with their position. Sometimes it's possible to have an instructive discussion with a willing participant. Those types of discussions usually begin with the other person asking for guidance or counsel or asking a question with a sincere desire to understand and engage in the discussion. Waiting for a person to ask for advice or counsel says more about our trust in God than about our trust in the other person's judgment. If we press our opinions on others when they didn't ask, it becomes unsolicited advice, which may come across as criticism in disguise. Unsolicited advice is rarely appreciated and usually disregarded. Every worry or concern truly belongs to God, not us. We may think that if we don't say something, things could get dramatically worse, but that's assuming that God can't handle the situation. We're projecting our human limitations onto an all-powerful God, and this is a mistake. It is better to start winding a conversation down when it's heading in a direction where both sides are becoming heated. Continuing into a quarrel when we can tell it's already brewing is asking for a poor outcome. We're better off learning how to recognize the beginning of strife, and then we can budget our words, ending even a tense conversation on a courteous note. Number three, genuinely apologize and freely forgive. 
Sometimes we're the one saying something offensive and we need to apologize. Other times we may be hurt by something that someone else has said or done. In either case, we need to be swift with a biblical response or we risk sliding into bitterness. And you know how the saying goes. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It doesn't work that way, you know. First, let's consider our part when we've been the offender. This is not the time to get out the calculator and try to figure out who is more at fault. Let's see, she said this, and then I said that, and then she said this, so she's already 66% at fault. No, 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 that won't work, but it will delay the reconciliation. Jesus taught that it was necessary to be swift with apologies. Listen to this passage in Matthew 5, verses 23 through 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. When we're more concerned with being like Jesus than winning an argument, we'll be willing to admit when we're wrong, and we'll maintain a right spirit while we're trying to repair the breach in the relationship. As tempting as it may be to want to blame the other person for starting it or any other rationalization, resist that temptation. The point is that a brother or sister has been offended. Don't allow the relationship to be damaged beyond repair by being slow to ask for forgiveness. So you see, sometimes we'll have to apologize, and then other times we'll need to forgive. And this means that we may even have to forgive a person if they don't ask for forgiveness. Sometimes people have huge blind spots and they're unaware that they've done anything to offend. Now that's not always true, but it can be true in many cases. This doesn't mean you have to become a doormat allowing people to walk all over you. It simply means that we don't want to tie strings to forgiveness. Expecting people to ask for forgiveness is not always realistic. God wrote the conditions for forgiveness, and here they are in Mark 11 verse 26. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. If we want to become successful at forgiveness, we'll need to learn how to pass over transgressions. Listen to this instruction in Proverbs 19.11. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Passing over a transgression carries the meaning that we're going to get over the fact that someone did something wrong. The alternative is to keep pressing the replay button in our minds, and then we're reliving the offense over and over, watering and fertilizing the seeds of bitterness. Understand that people will make messes in life, and sometimes those messes are painful. When, not if, this happens, but when, learn how to POAT. That's P-O-A-T, an acronym for pass over a transgression. When we're willing to pout, we gain the benefit of a clear conscience with God and others. Be really quick with apologies and equally swift with granting forgiveness. And finally, number four, be patient as the relationship mends. As I've said before, we all take turns being offended and being the offender. When we've been wronged, it's funny how we have such high expectations of the other person. We want them to either make things right or pay for their transgressions. But when we're in the wrong, the expectation shifts to wanting the other person to get over it as quickly as possible. 
We want a drive-through reconciliation where we say a few words and out pops a restored relationship. Sometimes a person has an excellent spirit and they're just as anxious as you are for things to be all right again. But more often, the wounded need time to heal. Proverbs 18.19 gives us a reality check with these words. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. It's great when a person is just as anxious to restore a relationship as we are. They're the kind of person you can ask, are we okay? Are we all right? And they'll honestly say, yep, we're all good. They're not pretending. They're being biblical, and they're not letting any grass grow under the issue. When we wait too long to reconcile, the temptation to leave things in an awkward position grows greater over time. It is better to mend things as soon as possible, but we'll have to allow the offended person to set the pace. In due season, things will be well again, and if not, you will still have the peace of knowing that you handled matters wisely. What about those times when it seems like the person is not willing to forgive you? First of all, don't make assumptions. Unless the person tells you that they're unwilling to forgive, you can't jump to conclusions. Some people need space and time to heal from wounds, even if the injuries were accidental. Don't press and don't rush a person. You could create a new layer of problems by being impatient. When it's time, that brother or sister offended will recover. The relationship may not be the same in every instance, but in many cases, things can be restored over time. Learn from the situation. We can do better when we know better. Let's review Proverbs 19.11 again as our closing verse because handling disagreements with tender, loving care is always going to require discretion. And that's why Proverbs 19.11 is a great closing verse. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Disagreements are unavoidable. Arguments are avoidable. You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit keeptheheart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You in Christ Unconditionally. I See You is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. Visit keeptheheart.com today. Thank you for listening.